You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. Prepare the way of the 
Everything in this season of my life has to do with playing my guitar. As far as my career and job go, I'm completely dependent on my ability to play this instrument. It's how I make a living for my family. It's, it's how I lead worship and play concerts. It's how, I, it's how I write songs. My guitar has opened up doors that I've never dreamed of, like having a manager in Nashville and just releasing my fourth album, signing a publishing deal with Brentwood Benson Music, receiving a gold record for one of my songs being picked up by Chris Tomlin. Playing guitar is one of my gifts that God has given me and it's a huge part of my identity. 
I just finished cutting my lawn for the last time of the season and I remember wanting to tune up the mower. Um, I tied the safety lever in order to let the gas run out, just let the mower run while I did some other things. My wife and I were going to go on a date that night and the babysitter was on, on their way and um, I was kind of feeling rushed. I remember I wanted to pick up the lawnmower and then spin the tire in order to get the, the lube spread out really well. And as I did that, I stuck my hand under the mower, and right in that moment, I heard this big, this jolt of electricity running through my body. It was unbelievable. I remember looking at my finger, and, um, and it was gone. And it was, it was shocking. It was traumatic. It was, it was cold that afternoon. I remember having gloves on, and it just took off the whole everything, the glove and everything, and thinking, you know, what am I going to do now? And you just kind of go into emergency mode. And so um, I, I look down on the grass and I search around for my finger and I, I pick it up. And I remember walking into the house and uh, my kids are sitting there on the, on the, in the, our family room. And so I've got both my hands behind my back, one um, with a finger not there anymore and the other holding that finger. And I remember walking up to my wife and just saying, you know, Sue, we've got we've to go to the ER. Everything completely stopped. And I remember thinking, would this be something that would completely derail my plans that I, uh, and then this path that I thought that I was on. In a split second, everything changed. Without my ring finger on my left hand, it felt like everything was in jeopardy. So many questions came to mind. Would I even be able to play the guitar? How could I play when that finger is so crucial to almost every chord that I play? So many unknowns with no immediate answers. And that began a time of solitude for me. I was just sitting um, in my chair in my bedroom and feeling like I had, I'd been stripped. And I remember asking the Lord why. Um, you know, why now? Why at this point in my life would this happen? There's a passage of scripture that's one of my favorite verses, Proverbs 16:9, that says, In his heart a man plans his ways, but the Lord directs his steps. And so I've taken great comfort in the fact that this was not a surprise for God. Um, but he, he, in fact, allowed this to happen. As I look back on my life, there has never been a time where God has been unfaithful. And so, you know, as I look forward uh, to the future, now months have passed since the accident and I've actually started to play again. Um, I've learned how to play without this finger. So it's, it, it really taught me um, to trust Him more and to surrender to Him more and to be more vulnerable before Him. Um, to lead out of my weakness and not the strength or my ability to play an instrument, uh, but to lead out of my, uh, my brokenness of my heart. And the thing that he's most concerned about in my worship to him was for me to never forget that the instrument that he is most concerned about is my heart. Have you ever found yourself saying, 
It can't get any worse than this. Or something like, uh, what else is going to go wrong today? What else is going to go wrong in this season of my life? Or why am I suffering like this? I think we can all relate to that sentiment of the difficulties that we face in life. The psalmist put it like this. Lord, hear my prayer. Listen to my cry for help. Don't turn your face away from me when I'm in trouble. Pay attention to me when I call out for help. Answer quickly. I groan out loud because of my suffering. I'm nothing but skin and bones. Psalm 102, verses 1, 2, and 5. And, and what we find in the, in the pages of Scripture is, is that God's Word is not silent about the suffering that we face on this side of heaven. Jesus himself on the cross, he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he cried out that crier, that, that cry, like, like, for us, because in his humanity, he felt the, the same things that, that we feel. And if you remember last week, as, as we go through this, this book, this letter from the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome, uh, and it spoke to the, the, the people in that day, and it speaks to us here in modern times, we, we, we learned last week that where the Spirit of the Lord, there is freedom Freedom from condemnation, freedom from our sinful nature, freedom from uh, or free to, to live and walk as children of God. And we learn that we can have victory in this new life through the Spirit of God as we follow Jesus Christ. And then as we just found, that, found out how amazing that is, then we wait and you wait and you wait, you wait for it. And at the end of that passage, he writes, but if we are going to share his glory, we will also share his suffering. And everyone screams right now beyond the, the television monitor or in the car or in a service. You say, why? Why? Why do we have to go through what we're going through? The apostle takes us to a place where we reflect on this season that we've all been through, that it cannot get any, any worse. But here's the thing, is that the Lord is not silent about suffering on this side of heaven. The scriptures teach us that in this world we will have trials, we will have tribulation, but we can be of good cheer because in Christ we will overcome all of the things that this world brings into our lives. And so I put together four responses that I believe will give us hope in and through our suffering. And these responses come straight from, from the, the pen of the Apostle Paul as he continues to guide us and, and, and lead us through, through the, the Holy Spirit and, and to speak into our lives. Now that we are made right with God, he says this in verse 18. He says, Yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory that he will reveal to us later. What, what you're suffering through right now is nothing compared 
to the glory that will be revealed in you later. Just like the cross did not have the last word in the life of Jesus, our Savior and our Lord, our suffering will not overcome the glory that awaits us. Not only are we walking in a, in a glory that, that God has imparted into us as his children, but there's a future glory that as his children, we are going to, to uh, be able to be embraced in and we're going to be able to be closed in and we're going to walk in this, in this newness of life. And so it's important that we grab a hold of that, that, that though there is suffering as a follower of Christ, God is in control. God is in control of the good. God is in control of the bad. God is in control of the ugly of life. And, and Paul put it like this as he wrote to the, the, the church in Corinth. He said, our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So for a follower of Jesus, we must understand that, that suffering and glory, they frequently come together in Scripture. It's like they're hinged together. It's like they're, they're a part of one link that when we, when we suffer, there is glory that will come and awaits us afterward. It's, it, it just comes together on this side of heaven. For example, uh, Paul, as he begins to, 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 to write about our justification and how we are made right with God, he says this in chapter 5, verse 1 through 3. He says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. Verse 3, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they will help us develop endurance. Do you notice that he said, we we are going to share in God's glory, but with that, we can also rejoice too because of the problems and the suffering and the trials that we will face because they're going to produce in us something that is going to bring glory to God. There's a bigger purpose in our suffering. It's not just suffering. There's a bigger purpose it's, it's, doing, it's doing something in you. It's, it's producing something through you. Peter put it like this. He said, be very glad for these trials. Uh, uh, for these trials, they, they, they make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. Be very glad. As, as these trials come upon you because you're partnering with Christ and you're partnering with his suffering. And you will have joy when, when, whenever his glory is revealed, not only to us, but to the whole world when he comes in his majesty. It speaks to me, and I think it speaks to us, that we may suffer, but our suffering is never in vain. And so as the Apostle Paul is, 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 is the Holy Spirit's leading him and, and he's being directed, uh, we come to this second response that strengthens us in our suffering. And, and that is we realize that not only do, do, do uh, we 
uh, as believers, not only are we struggling, but the Bible says that creation groans. The, the Holy Spirit led Paul to teach us that, that this present reality is not our greatest moment by using God's creation as our example. And, and if you remember, I talked about the two realms, and I talked about this realm of Adam. And in this realm of Adam, we were born into sin. We were born in sin. And this realm just brought all kinds of, of, of difficulty in our life. We were, we were, we were uh, you know, abuses and, and, and the, the things that just really are so difficult for us as humans. But not only did it affect us, it affects everything around us. Creation was affected because of Adam's sin. The ground was cursed, causing thorns and thistles and decay and death. We, we struggle and to produce food and to live. So, so Paul wrote, he said, for all creation is waiting eagerly for, for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against, it, against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom and from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. It's a powerful picture of God's creation anticipating the restoration of all things in Jesus Christ. A woman in labor does not just groan in agony, but a woman in labor has groaning of anticipation that something great is about to happen. A new life is going to be born. And that's exactly the picture of creation groaning. There's a day where there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And have you ever stood in an ant bed and, and gotten bitten by ants and you say this, this ground is cursed? Have you ever gotten a thorn in your hand and you understand that the ground is cursed? I, I'll never forget my grandson went, we went to the mountains one time and then there was, it was uh, uh, one of our ch- uh, sons was hunting and they were out and about and we were walking and he walked into some cactus and it was not good at all. The ground is cursed. And the prophet Isaiah, he put it like this. He says, look, this is the Lord speaking through him. Look, look into the future. Look, I am creating new heavens and a new earth. And no one will even think about the old ones anymore. Be, be glad. Rejoice forever in my creation. And then he goes on and he says this. The wolf and the lamb will feed together. The lion will eat hay like a cow. But the snakes will eat dust. In those days, no one will be hurt or destroyed on my holy mountain. I, the Lord, have spoken. So all creation is waiting eagerly for for the future day when God will reveal the glorified state, not only of his children, but of all creation. It's a wonderful picture. The creation responds saying, we cannot wait until that day. And so the third response that will strengthen you in your suffering is that not only does creation groan, but believers groan. I read about the psalmist saying, I groan out loud because of my suffering, because I'm nothing but skin and bones. I'm reminded of a dear friend of ours. He's a pastor that I've been meeting with for seven years, and he's a wonderful man of God. 
And about a year ago, his wife got diagnosed with, uh, with brain cancer, a brain tumor that, that, that proceeded and, and, and moved into stage four. And so about a month ago, this, this, this pastor, as he's been navigating through that difficulty and, and, and taking care of his wife and being a caretaker, about a month ago, he goes to the doctor with, because he had some, some pain and, and he thought he had some gallbladder problems. And so they found that, 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 that his gallbladder was full of cancer. And that cancer had spread into his liver and he's at stage four. So his, his, his wife is navigating through that and, and, and now he is navigating through, through this, this horrible situation. We groan when we suffer. We groan with all the difficulty that is faced in our lives. And let me say this, if you're not groaning a little bit in your life at the present moment, I'm going to let you in on a secret. You will be groaning one of these days. There are so many difficulties that, that come, at, come at us in life. There are so many things that we face. And I, I think about the day that, that, that we won't need no Grecian formula. I think about the day that people aren't going to be looking for plastic surgery you know, plastic surgery to, to either, you know, fix this or fix that. You know, uh, everything else we spend money on to try to stop the inevitable. And the inevitable is that our bodies are aging by the minute. And suffering increases as we get older, as, as we have kids and grandkids. And our kids and our grandkids multiply our suffering and all the difficulties that we face. It's, it's an exponential it's an exponential growth of the difficulties of life when we have children and grandchildren. And that's not to mention our peers and the people that are around us, the people that we love, the hurts and the pains that we feel. And so Paul continues to write in verse 23, says, We believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. And we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. And we too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised us. We were given this hope when we were saved. If we, were already, if we already have something, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't have yet, we must wait patiently and confidently. If you're not groaning for something better, you're missing the bigger picture. We don't have the mindset that the, that the world has. As followers of Christ, we do not have the mindset where we think it doesn't get any better than this. As followers of Christ, we have the mindset that, that it will only get better. That our, that our best day here on the earth will probably be our worst day in the glory of a new heaven and a new earth. That the suffering that we're facing right now does not outweigh the, the, the future glory that, that awaits us and everything that God has in store for his people. It, it teaches me that, that this, this, this place, this location is not my home. My spirit longs for the glory of God to be revealed in me. 
And I'm, I'm going to say something to you. I don't care how incredible your house is. I don't care how beautiful your land is. I don't, I don't care how wonderful your furniture is. There is a place that awaits us that doesn't even compare because it is so much better. Jesus told his disciples, he said, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you, for I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And when we hold on, this is so important, when we hold on to the temporary, we lose the focus of the eternal. And suffering, suffering, beloved, no matter what kind of suffering you're going through, it speaks to us and it tells us that, that, that this suffering is temporary for the, for the incredible glory that awaits us in the eternal. And not only is that glory available to you today, you, you already have it, but you don't, have not experienced it to the fullness of what you will when Jesus comes back for his people. And so believers, we groan. We groan. Our response to suffering is we groan because we understand that there is something better. There is someone greater. And we understand that we're just passing through this life. That we're like pilgrims just just passing through. And, And we don't have to get stuck in our suffering. We remember that it's temporary, that there's there's a lot more to come. You're just in one chapter of your, of your life. In the book of your life, you're just in one chapter. I, I, I tell people that you know we're in a pandemic and we're in a lot of difficulty in life, but don't get stuck in that chapter. Don't get stuck in that, on that page. Sometimes we got to turn the page. Sometimes we got to let God change the chapter, and he will, and we will walk in the victory of Christ. The fourth response to strengthen you in your suffering is that not only does the creation groan because the creation knows there's something greater, not only do do believers groan because as believers we know that there is something much better, but what we find in the writings of the Apostle Paul to the church in Rome is that the Holy Spirit groans. We learn that, that, that the Holy Spirit, he intercedes for us with groaning. The Apostle Paul continues to write, and, and as the Lord is directing him by his Spirit, he says, and the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. Now pause right there, because in your weakness of suffering, that's the whole context right here. The whole context is that if we're going to, to, to walk in his glory, we're also going to walk in his suffering. And, and, and in that time, you feel so weak. And, and so he comes to this place in 26. He says, the Holy Spirit, he helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows our hearts knows that the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. The the Holy Spirit prays for us. He pleads for us to the Father, and he groans in inexpressible words, in language that is inexpressible as he directs 
his intercession for his people. And what we receive is to submit ourselves to the will of the Father. Because the Holy Spirit understands that our suffering is not in vain. The Holy Spirit understands that God will never waste a hurt. He he will never waste a death. Whether it's an addiction or an abuse, God is still capable of coming alongside and bringing his glory in and through it. As we continue, we're going to next week go into chapter 8, verse 28. And it's a monumental verse, but it all has to do with this context. It all has to do with, with there is nothing that you're going to face that God cannot turn for his glory. And it reminds me of a place in, uh, in, in, in Hebrews where, where the writer of Hebrews is reflecting to the life of Moses. And he says there, he says, it was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. He was looking ahead to to the future glory because he knew that his present suffering would not outweigh the glory that would be revealed in him through Jesus Christ. You notice that the the writer of Hebrews, he expands and he shows that that he would rather suffer for Christ. And and, and you don't see the name of Jesus written in that that Old uh, Testament narrative, but we know from, from Scripture that Jesus was with Moses through that difficulty, just like Jesus is with us now. No matter what you face, no matter what you're going through, because you have Christ, even in your groaning, He will see you through. I've done my share of groaning. I will do my share of groaning until the day that I die. But I know that the Holy Spirit will be with me with whatever I face and he will see me through. And can I tell you something? I can make a promise to you that if Jesus is your Lord, the Holy Spirit will see you through as well. If you have said yes to Jesus and you're facing difficulties right now, you need to know that God will never waste a hurt, that God will not waste the season that you're in. He's teaching you He's strengthening you. He's helping you through the whole ordeal, through the whole season that you're in. And if you've never said yes to Jesus and you're going through difficulty, I would say this to you. Invite him into your life so that he can empower you and so that he can strengthen you so that you can overcome. I can make you a promise that with God, you can overcome 
all of the struggles that you face. If God is for you, there is nothing that can be against you. There is nothing that can overcome you. You will be able to overcome through the power of Jesus Christ. And having Jesus in your life is as easy as ABC. You have to A, admit that you're a sinner. You have to admit that you've been off course and you need to get back on course. The B, you have to believe in Jesus. You have to believe that Jesus is your Savior. You have to believe that Jesus went to the cross to die for every single sin that you've committed. And he rose from the dead on the third day, just like the Bible said he would. And the C stands for you need to confess him as your Lord. You need to confess him as your Savior and choose to follow him from this day forward. So I'd love to lead you in a prayer. And today I believe that is your destined day. It's a day of destiny for you to come into the family of God. So just pray with me. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for speaking into my life. And Lord, today I, uh, I admit that I am a sinner. And I'm tired of trying to do life on my own. I'm tired of trying to do life without you. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world. I believe that he went to the cross and died for all of my sins. And I also believe and I trust that, that he was raised on the third day just like the Bible said he would. And so I confess him as my Lord and my Savior, and I choose to follow him from this day forward. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, we are celebrating with you. The Lord is celebrating with you. The angels of heaven are rejoicing with you. And we are all saying welcome to the family. You don't have to suffer without the, the Lord of the universe along, coming alongside and helping you and showing you that there's a purpose and there's a plan in everything that we're going through. And so as you, as you begin to navigate through the week, I'm going to believe that God is going to show you just how real he is. I believe that God is going to touch your life like it's never been touched before. And you're going to see the evidence and the handprint of Jesus Christ in every circumstance of your life. I'm going to speak that and declare that through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so we're just excited. If you don't have a home church, we would love for you to consider making Living Word Chapel a place where you worship, where you grow, where you become everything you can be. At LWC, we, uh, we are uh, intentional about loving, empowering, and transforming people through the Living Word. And so we're excited. There's a lot of great churches all over this country, all over the world. There's a lot of great Bible-based church. If Living Word Chapel is not a place for you, there's a place that you can find and start growing in your faith. Remember this. God has a wonderful plan for your life, and it has started today. God bless you, and have a wonderful week. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. Make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.